The fact that they're even floating this theory that this is the pathway for DeSantis to win means that there's a lot of uncertainty about his ability and his electability. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Tuesday, April 11th. Today, Tara Palmieri joins me from on the road in Florida to talk about the non-Trump Republicans running for president in 2024, or at least thinking about running. Is Ron DeSantis already making enemies in New Hampshire? Could Glenn Youngkin join the presidential race at the last minute in September? And will the other GOP hopefuls finish above or below Connor Roy at 1% in the polls? Tara and I dig into the Republican zeitgeist. We'll discuss all that and more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be, netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Uh, I'm joined today by a very special guest, um, a woman in designer sunglasses parked in a car in the Everglades to do a podcast with me. Tara Palmieri, looking like rich Florida woman on her way back from playing tennis at <laughs> Palm Beach or something. How you doing, Tara? How are the Everglades? See any gators? I got lost on Alligator Alley, and uh, <laughs> here I am, pulled over on the side of the road. Closest gas station is 31 miles, so oh man, wish me luck. I wish you luck, yeah. I wish you luck. Just make sure you get out of there with daylight remaining. You are in the beating heart of Republican politics, Florida right now. And I wanted to talk to you today about not necessarily Donald Trump, although every Republican story is about Donald Trump, but kind of about all the other non-Trump people running for the Republican primary. Obviously, we have Florida man Ron DeSantis, who is Trump's most credible challenger. And you have some new reporting on how he might in rough shape right now, but also just some of these other people like Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy and maybe Tim Scott and Glenn Youngkin. But first things first, DeSantis. It's clear that Trump is dominating the news cycle right now. He's going up in Republican polls. Are his supporters waffling? Are they telling him not to run? What are donors telling him? Because you reported on Puck the other day that he has a trip scheduled to New Hampshire and they're having trouble selling tickets for his event, which like three weeks ago seems like something that would absolutely not happen. I know it's crazy. I even tried to buy tickets like from the 
top level $5,000 sponsorship to 150, just a regular ticket. And they're all available and it's a week away. And I've been told from people on the ground that they're like constantly pinging people to buy tickets for DeSantis. So, I mean, if that's a reflection of what the grassroots feels about him, not great. Uh, I also just heard that they're making it difficult to to interact with activists like they have to submit forms to the governor to see him. And they're not used to that. In New Hampshire, they're used to having the ring kiss. They don't they want access to DeSantis. They don't have to deal with it. I mean, there's other things like he doesn't want the press. He doesn't want to deal with the press while he's there. And he wants to bring his own state troopers from Florida. And it's just kind of like it's just not shaping up to be the sold out event that they were hoping for. But. Alas, this is the activist crowd, which matters. But then again, you see this story in NBC where they're saying, oh, we don't even care about Iowa and New Hampshire. We're just going for the delegate grab and trying to... This is the the Rudy Giuliani, I guess, method or theory that didn't work, but it's already being called that. And they're sort of floating it. And I see that as a bigger story. I mean, the fact that they're even floating this theory that this is the pathway for DeSantis to win means that there's a lot of uncertainty about his ability and his electability. Like that was always a thing about DeSantis, his electability. That was the thing about him that made him a shiny object. But donors are really questioning whether he's got it. And he, they've got reasons. There have been a lot of fumbles. Ukraine messaging is his weird chatpot-esque, you know, interview with with a Piers Morgan, he's just fumbling on a lot of things, how to deal with Trump, his poll numbers are going down. And so I talked to some major donors who were just saying, listen, we fully accept that we may, we've given, you know, Ron Sanders $200 million so far, but we're ready to back another candidate as well. Anyone who's not Trump, basically, because we don't want Trump. But we're not in love with Ron DeSantis. And that may be upsetting for him, but that's the reality. And they love they're all and you know you talk to santa's people and they're like oh they're a bunch of former bushies they don't get what it takes to to win a republican primary nowadays and they're right they're like hedge fund titans uh heads of banks etc cetera, etc cetera. and they're not wrong to say that and who do they like they like their peer glenn youngkin a private equity guy worth a few hundred million dollars who's basically made it known that he will not run until after the Virginia legislature midterms because he wants to flip the state red and he only gets one term and he wants that to be a success story. They think Youngkin's got a shot. I mean, he can at least drop $20 million quickly of his own money to mobilize, even if he misses some debates. And maybe staying out of the fray is good because you don't get sullied in the fight between Trump and DeSantis. But that's the other option. But I think These stories reflect a real panic that DeSantis is not the white knight from Tallahassee that they hoped for. They don't love this six-week abortion ban he's about to sign. They think it's Mm going to kill him in the general. They don't like the permitless concealed carry, but they don't think it's that bad. It's not as bad as a six-week abortion ban. And these guys have money. They're not... They don't care who it is. They just they really don't want Trump, which is kind of hilarious because like Trump sending out memos to them on his poll numbers and showing up at John Paulson's house after he's been indicted. Yeah, I mean, man, you just sparked so many thoughts for me. One, donors are like the ultimate bedwetters. They especially now because they don't necessarily want Donald Trump to be president. So they're just like so desperate to find someone who's not there. And, and, and you're right. I mean, like DeSantis has he's made a couple mistakes in interviews which reveal that his instincts might be off a little bit or he doesn't have his fastball yet. Look, this is the time to mess up. If you're going to run for president, you've got time to figure these things out. The Yunkin thing is so interesting, too, because you're so right. Like they like Glenn Yunkin. 
because they know him from HBS. Like he, they know that dude. They know his type. It's like it's like when reporters write about Chris Christie. They're like, oh, I kind of like Chris Christie. It's because you were just talking to him in the green room at ABC. <laughs> but right. like turning, turning around from the Virginia Senate elections, the House of Delegates and Senate elections in Virginia in November, if Youngkin wants to run after that, he's got to go from November 7th, 2023, to February and like put some points on the board in Iowa and New Hampshire. Look, maybe that's possible if he's got a shitload of money and he can just come in and people are worried about yeah. Trump. And I do think that you've been like leading some of the reporting on this, that this primary more than any in the past suggests the possibility of maybe a last minute white knight coming in to beat Trump in a way that that's just never worked in past primaries, Democratic or presidential. Like I'm thinking all the way back to like Wesley Clark in 2004, you know, everyone's worried about the ultimate nominee and you got to pull someone off the sidelines. Maybe that's Yunkin. But the thing that you said that's so smart about New Hampshire and Ron DeSantis, and Tina's done some reporting on this too, like DeSantis has his bubble. Casey's obviously his top advisor. But he's he's got a certain way of doing things. And he likes like the fact that he's screening activists in New Hampshire is the most opposite granite state. What the fuck do they say up there? Uh, Flinty, New Hampshire way. Like that's like that's a crazy thing to do. New Hampshire, more than any other primary state, Republican and Democrat, they value the retail stuff. They value the town halls. They value the open access to the candidate themselves. And like that goes with like local media too. Like they want to ask questions of the guy. And if you just like try to stonewall them, you look kind of bad. Like and a the Rudy Giuliani's the really <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Rudy the Rudy Giuliani strategy, which is the way that NBC News sort of framed the thinking about like just gathering delegates over time and accumulating them ahead of the convention, it jumped out to me because I remember covering Rudy in 2008 and like I would be in Hilton Head or, or somewhere in South Carolina and Rudy would show up by the way and he's he's very New York in a way DeSantis isn't but he would show up with his like security guards and his detail and it just like smelled wrong for like the primary like it didn't fit culturally in South Carolina but it was also just like his security guards would muscle reporters out of the way and like block them from coming into events and it's just like that's not the quote unquote New Hampshire way I get that politics now is nationalized Media is mm. homogenous, but you can't just like sleep on these early states and hope to come back later. I mean, Biden, I guess, pulled that off, but he's such an aberration. He also had Clyburn to lock it up for him. Yeah, like DeSantis doesn't have the institutional goodwill across the Republican Party that while Trump doesn't have the kind of Mitch McConnell types at his back anymore, he does have just the overwhelming power of attention, money and rapport with the base and DeSantis has to build to that point before you can ever be like ah we're gonna sort of like get a second place here and a first place there and a third place there like a lot of these states are winner take all delegates you can't just skip them I think it's like a it would be silly for him not to just post up in New Hampshire and just live there like Chris Sununu like a couple months ago the governor was saying should we just move to New Hampshire I think I might do it do it I've spent so much time August Um, in New Hampshire is probably better than yeah, just hang out at places. Lake. Just hang out at Lake Winnipesaukee with the Romneys. Just hang out on their boat. Um, Tara, I want to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to ask you about some of these other Republicans running for president, allegedly.
Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Welcome back to a very special edition of the Powers That Be Everglades edition, where Tara Palmieri is parked in a car, phoning into this Alligator podcast. Alley. <laughs> <laughs> so there are others beyond DeSantis and Trump who are running and thinking about running. We mentioned Glenn Youngkin, um, Nikki Haley got in the race very early, and I, you know I think this would be the opposite of the Youngkin strategy theoretically we referred to, which is get in early, work really hard go to all 99 counties in Iowa, be there at the bitter end if someone wants a a choice other than Trump or DeSantis. Um, I think that's probably smarter than waiting um, and jumping in late. She's raised $11 million, she announced, since she launched her campaign like two months ago. So she's not raising a ton of money. She's got some big donor connections from her RGA days. Vivek Ramaswamy, who is a fixture on Fox News talking about, uh, you know, attacking woke corporate America and all of the DEI stuff that's popular with the base. He's polling at 1%. Um, if you've never heard of him, Powers That Be listeners, uh, you would not be for, you would be forgiven. He's just kind of like a talking head guy, trying to be maybe like the Herman Cain type in this primary, just the gadfly who gets popular for a minute on a debate stage and writes books the rest of his life. He's like the Andrew Yang of, of the Republican primary this time, business guy running for president. But you've, you've done some reporting on Tim Scott, too, from South Carolina, who Nikki Haley appointed to the U.S. Senate back in the day. Is he thinking about running still, Tara? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. So what I've been told is that Tim Scott, it's like every other day, he's sort of trying to make up his mind. He's not really sure. He's headed to New Hampshire next week, but he doesn't have anything like an actual agenda yet. Uh, it's his first stop in New Hampshire. So he's got $13 million from Larry Ellison. But he's just still figuring it out every day. It's a different story. And I think lately he's leaning against it. At the same time, he just hired two ground people in South Carolina. So, you know, there are people who worked with the former governor, McMaster, and he's still preying on it. I mean, so is Pompeo. He's still hiring people while he's in Italy preying on it. It's just a big eat, pray, love adventure right now with the GOP trying to figure out, is God calling them into a wrestling match with Trump? (laughs) You know, I, I would I would assume God is like, dude, don't do that. 
But, <laughs> yeah, the, there's the early state hire thing is interesting. Like you see this sometimes in this stage of the primary early on, Dem and Republican. I remember like Deval Patrick was thinking about running for president back in 2019. And he like hired advisors in South Carolina and like Iowa and launched a pack and did a tour. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to run. You just need to do those things to sort of Keep your name in the conversation. You know, I can see Mike Pompeo's theoretical rationale, not that he'd win, but like he could be the foreign policy guy. I don't think voters actually care about that stuff as much as like Washington thinks they do. But there's a rationale there. Tim Scott, I just don't get. Like what what do you stand for, Tim Scott? I mean, a lot of people don't follow the ins and outs of the bills you passed in the Senate. There's another South Carolinian running already. The last question I want to ask before I let you go back down Alligator Alley, hopefully you're driving to Miami or somewhere cool, is um, what is Chris Christie's latest thinking? Is he running? No. Oh, okay. No. I I just don't think the donors are ready to give money to Chris Christie. And he's got the choice between a lucrative ABC News contract that you'd have to give up. He's got like a zero point chance of winning. Although I heard that he was at an event recently with a bunch of donors and they were just like, they love him. They think he's great. They think he's got the thing, but they're just kind of like, they don't see, a, they don't see a path for him. And he hasn't raised anybody. He doesn't even have a super PAC. At least the others like Pence and Haley and yeah. Tim Scott and Pompeo, they all got super PACs. Chris Christie hasn't raised a dime. And he's also banking on the Rudy Giuliani strategy. Chris Christie is a, is a story tale about timing and missing your moment. And he missed his moment many years ago. And so Mm -hmm. Christie's moment was in 2012. He should have jumped in against Romney if he wanted to. Then he then he decided to endorse Romney. But yeah, I mean, I had a Bridgegate happened by then. No, that's the thing. I think that perhaps the Disney war for DeSantis could end up being Ron DeSantis's Bridgegate if in the end Disney pulls out that $17 billion investment in the state and they start and the Florida economy sinks. And it's one of those things where you don't really know until the end of the term Mm -hmm. how the chips fell. Mm -hmm. And right now the fight with Disney is popular with the base, but like we don't know what it's going to look like at the end of his second term. And then running into 2028, maybe this, maybe the narrative about Ron DeSantis' fight with Disney is one in which he brutally lost. Interesting. I like that prediction. Bob Iger, Ron DeSantis. It's the perfect cross-section of puck interests. Um, Tara, drive safe. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13, and produced by Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck. Puck.